0: Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're
1: unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Stop! Stop. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how.
2: Hello there and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. Today we have an amazing show for you. I am your host, Frank Picasso. Today you are going to meet one of the world's most prominent psychics and healers. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a real psychic abilities? What do you imagine your life would be like if you could predict the things in the world? Uh, I think you might be surprised. In her memoir, Unlimited Realities, Born with the Gift of Sight and Natural Healing, my guest today, Elizabeth Joyce, takes us on a journey of her life from birth to today. And let's meet her, shall we? Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Frankie. It's a pleasure to be here. It is such, such an honor to have you on the show. I'm really, really uh, pleased that you're here. Your book, Unlimited Realities, what a fascinating read. I couldn't put it down. Honestly, it was really fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, you're a great writer. You're a really good writer. You You know, the story starts off um, you are, your mom had two sets of twins, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, You are the younger set of twins. You have an identical twin sister. You had an identical twin sister. Um, But you were born with the veil, as they say, across
3: your face. Right. right. And you guys were preemies. You're about three pounds, something like that. Not sure about that. I know that we were three pounds each. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure about how early we were. We could okay. have been a month early, but I don't think any earlier than that.
2: Yeah. Uh, so you did not have the best of relationships with your twin, and and it was interesting oh, reading about twins because I ha- also have a set of twins, and I mean, they say that know? no, they're not. But they say oh. once you have a, a set, you have it's fifty percent chance to have another set.
3: <laughs> so no, that's why no, I wasn't no, That's not true. No. I don't believe. Uh, it's with yeah. identical. My mother had three pregnancies of identical twins. Fraternal twins are two different eggs. Yes. Um, so Identical were... twins is when the egg splits, and nobody knows how that happens.
2: Yes. They say, you wrote in your book about the positioning of twins, about when you face your twin or away from your twin. Your older twin set uh, were very good friends with one another.
3: Well, they but... had their hearts crossed in the womb.
2: Yeah. And you and your sister faced one another.
3: Correct. Uh, but your relationship was, was strange. Very, very volatile. My sister had mental emotional problems. But there were reasons for it.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we'll get, we can get into that in a a little bit. I I, like, this is Mission Unstoppable, and you have truly been unstoppable in all that you have achieved in your life. You've gone through a lot of hardship, Um, and and so on this show, I like to start at the very beginning anyway, even if you hadn't written a memoir, and -hmm. talk about early life, and and move through, uh, you know, to how things unfolded. So, your grandmother was a shaman, she, um, you had her, you went to her for a summer, Right. Your home life no, was was a little strained, even with mom and dad. Went to her for a year. Oh, a she year. Had TB. Yeah. Were there any lingering effects from TB?
3: No, actually, I never smoked, of course, and um, even now I just had X-rays. He said, "Well, there's just a little scarring on your lungs from the TB, and that's what are you going to do, right?" Yeah, but exactly. I've never had any effects.
2: Okay, so um, you went to live with Grammy for a year. And that was probably one of the best years of your life, you said. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> yeah, she was a very loving maternal figure in your life. And she also, because of her psychic abilities, was able to um, set you up, let's say, for what was yeah, going to come next.
3: She was the root. She was the root from where I sprang. That's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: high school. What was that like for you? High school was a disaster. Uh, school was a disaster for us. We were very, very um, bullied because it was the McCarthy era. Mm. And our last name was R-E-I-C-H. So right. we even called you, you Jew uh, German bitches, you know, but we weren't any of that. <laughs> right, right. We're, you were Americans. The parents <laughs> were worse than the kids. The parents encouraged oh, really. the kids. Until my senior year, and then things started to change. And my twin sister did very mean things to a lot of people. That's who she was. And I didn't really realize that I was in my own dream world. But when we got to the senior year, I was in the senior play, and she was not. And so I could do something on my own. And the girls started to get to know me better. And Wow. Uh, the most popular girl who was the lead, bets, she, she took me under her wing and was very good to me. And that's when I first started to find myself.
2: How often were you having visions um,
3: in your younger years? All, all I can say is anytime I needed them. Oh. Did you read the chapter about um, Sadie's niece, Hazel? Yeah. She used to bring the newspaper and I tell her my favorite horses and she'd bet on them and they'd win. Yes. Sadie was your was your uh She was our maid. Housekeeper your a, maid, yeah. Yeah. And um of course I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was just <laughs> her the name of my favorite <laughs> She said she made like five hundred bucks or something. This, this kids now. great. <laughs> she did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And Sadie put a stop to it. And then of course there was the day I was walking home with my girlfriend and told her that the lady upstairs had died three days early. That was something I, I told it. I told it before it happened, and then it happened.
2: And so you got in trouble because her mom called your mom and and
3: yeah. Said, oh, I'm so
2: sorry about the death.
3: And they thought you were lying. And but when but when it happened, my mother then realized what was going on with me. It, yeah. it helped my mother to really realize what was happening here.
2: But you guys had a very strong Christian faith in your household. Um, your oh. mom especially, and. Yes. But your, fa- your father taught and wrote about bridge in the newspaper. And your mother thought that that, that um, cards were just the devil's work on, you know, like, like dice but flat.
3: When she first went down there, she was a country girl from Warner, New Hampshire, who oh, went down to New York and married a corporate man. And he threw her into a lifestyle that she had never seen, the drinking, the smoking, the card playing. That was not, had never been a part of my mother's life. My mother life was like my grandmother's life outside the birds, nature, everything normal. So it was very, very hard for her mother to address. And she, she tried to do it and finally decided to walk away from all of it. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Interesting. But it's, um, that faith has really grounded you at times. I think as, as I read through the story, um,
3: invaluable, invaluable, Frankie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was an interesting thing, too, because your older twin sisters were the Tony twins. They right. they had um, commercials and ads for uh, permanent hair perms.
3: Black and white television, now. and it was live commercials. There was no taping back in those days. Fascinating. That's-
2: how did, you, how did you guys get
3: found, or were they, was there, like, a twin call, or... Oh, no, how my you, father. my father worked in the Rockefeller building, 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Okay, so, okay. So, and, and studios were two floors up, so when they'd go to the cafeteria, he'd show everybody about his twins. He'd love to brag. Yeah. And They said they needed twins for the show, and so he brought them up.
2: Okay, so they got the Tony commercials, but you and your sister got to uh, go on Dick Clark Bandstand.
3: Yeah, we were on Bandstand for three and a half years, and it was a wonderful time. We met everybody. Not only did we go to Philadelphia, but we lived right outside of New York City, so we got to go to the Saturday Night Dick Clark show as well. So there was who was there that people would know? Oh, my goodness. Danny and the Juniors, Janice Harper, um, Frankie Valli, Ed, Frankie Avalon, Paul Anka, Bobby Rydell, I could go on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: you know, I, I have to, I have to ask you these things because the the, the people who are listening didn't read your book yet. So I gonna... <laughs> was Bobby
3: Darren. Yeah,
2: and Bobby Darren. You met Bobby Darren and had a
3: special relationship with him. I did. I did. It we exciting. Were very good friends. Um, before Splash, I met Bobby Darren. Handsome guy. And just as Splish Splash came out on American Manzan, I met him just as he was starting to do that.
2: And how old were you then? 15. Oh, 15 when you met Bobby. And how old was he?
3: He was uh, 23. Okay. Old so, for my father to be a pain you know what. <laughs>
2: yeah, you're way too young. Way too ago. young for this guy. Yeah. But you were instrumental in, in, in a way, giving him confidence to go forward in his music career. Yes, because
3: and, he, uh, he knew I had the gift. Right. Well, I had the gift, and he knew I knew an awful lot about music. I grew up with music by the, by the time I was eight years old. I knew every word to every song and every Broadway play, and I also had to know where the orchestra was, where the wi- woodwinds were, the, the strings and the percussions, and I had to know where they were and why they were placed there. My uncle trained me. Oh, and you had to know this why? I knew all this because my uncle wanted me to learn it. And I I know that you took piano
2: lessons and it didn't go so well. (laughs)
3: Only for two years. That poor lady. (laughs) She she would leave your house a little perturbed. Well, my sister would do all those things.
2: Yeah. Your sister would pinch you and hit you and then be innocent. The innocent party going, oh, I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? (laughs) Wow. And they never caught on. Nobody ever caught no, on.
3: The, no, they believed her over me always. She was the favorite. She was named after my mother.
2: Ah, okay. So she was the favorite. And so how did she come to be called Chris? How did, how did they get that name well, out Well,
3: of- she went, we called her Pris in high right. school, and then she went on to college, and they would say Chris instead of Pris, so she ah, okay. loved it because to her it was a pet name. It's yeah. like I decided to be Beth because I saw a little woman, yeah, I love that. Ryan was Beth, and I had to be Beth. Right,
2: right. Became that Beth. was such a great book. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many people know about it anymore. <laughs> past past our age group, maybe. But...
4: Old
3: uh woman. Yeah. yeah awesome. Very um, charming, though. Anyway, uh, Unlimited Realities is going to be turned into a film. We're in production now. We're starting to finish up the... Uh, screenplay and we have wonderful wonderful people interested how exciting it is exciting a screenplay so
2: are you writing it or somebody else going to write it you're writing it and who who, do you know who's going to star or who you want to star? well
3: we're not supposed to say okay (laughs) i know who i want to star in it i can tell you who i want to star in it okay tell us before we're going to go to commercial break tell us quick before we go to (laughs) break okay emma watson Oh, she'd be perfect. Yeah, she'd be perfect for me. I put a picture of her next to me when I was nineteen, and you can't tell us apart. Oh, wow! And I want Shona McLean to uh, be the narrator and Meg, my first teacher. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
2: She'd be fantastic for that. Good, good job picking great people. We're gonna go to commercial break. I'm here with Elaine Joyce. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: Stop. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop.
4: It's you never Big girls don't cry, right? According to a recent Wall Street Journal article by Dennis Nishi, there's a stigma attached to turning on the waterworks at the office. of men who reported crying at work cited personal reasons. An illness in the family, the death of a pet is the catalyst. While 58% of women said it was something that happened at work. Being unfairly blamed or criticized, men are like mascara. They run at the first sign of hubba-boo. That's another word for crying. What's the word for the fear of intense emotion? Xellophobia. Women may have a better excuse for crying than men, as females have higher levels of prolactin, which encourages the production of tears, making it easier to be known as a lacrimist or someone who cries at the drop of a hat. It's marching. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
3: It's marching.
4: Is there a particular food item that you absolutely crave to the point of madness? Then you're an opsomaniac like me. I love avocados, for instance. Probably because avocados have more protein, fat, and calories than any other fruit. Some folks are afraid of the avocado, nicknaming it the alligator pear for slippery and yucky. What's a word for the fear of food? Sithiophobia. Talk about yummy snacks, let's not forget potato chips. A pound of potato chips costs 200 times more than a pound of potatoes, or tater-tatties, as Aussies call them. The slang word spud derives from the spade-like tool used to dig them out. What's another word for mashed potatoes? Pachi Pachi. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Word.
2: You're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. I'm your host, Frankie McCaslin. My guest today is Elizabeth Joyce, and she is known as one of the world's most prominent psychics and healers. We're just going through her life, the early years. She she danced on American Bandstand with her twin sister. She met Bobby Darren. They became friends. And you even, um, on his album, you suggested that Mac the Knife should should remain on that album. There was some iffiness about it.
3: Well, and- wanted him to record a classic because that's what would keep him there forever. That would make him forever. Swiss Flash wouldn't be as prominent as Mac the Knife or something, you know, all or nothing at all or, or whatever. And he, uh, he was hesitant to do it because everybody was into bebop. But he finally did an album of classics and that was what made him who he is. I mean, Mac the Knife went all around the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Still popular song today. You, um, you passed over this real
2: quick in the book. Your first marriage and, and, and birth <laughs> of a son.
3: <laughs> I did my two boys.
2: Yeah, um, yes. and then and then you know the husband that I think you loved maybe the most. I don't know. I, I won't say that because of Don, but uh, Joe. You know, yes. Joe. Joe. Was, Joe was, was
3: really a very powerful person. We were only together for three years. That's all we had before he died. and that but that that whole experience, uh, my stepson Ronnie was murdered, and then Joe died. Ronnie was murdered in September. Joe died in February, and I had the car accident in November. so it was within a year span. And the car accident, of course, was what took me to the other side.
2: right? Well, let's talk about that for a moment. Um, the You had mentioned to Joe that his son had been murdered. And I think I told did them, you, yeah. yeah. And did you you worked with the police on that and told them? I did not. Um, you did not.
3: No, because there was contention between his mother and me. Okay. And uh, it's quite a ugly story. Um, it was very uncomfortable. But I would go to bed at night, and I would feel like I was laying down in dirt and grass, and there would be a, a leaf on my nose, and I knew it was Ronnie. Wow. And I said to Joe, he's in a shallow grave, and he's not here. The, the way that they found who did it was I had a vision, and the vision showed their old address, where they used to live a blue, dark blue car, three people Roddy getting out to go see his girlfriend, but he never got out of the car because they never went there. They went to pick marijuana that they were growing behind Teterboro airport, and when they got there, their marijuana was gone. And it was a he thought practice. he had taken it, I guess. He thought he, his brother had taken it, and they killed him with the machetes that they had. Oh to, my gosh! Yeah, to pick the marijuana. Ronnie was seventeen, um, and it was very, very sad because he was the best of the four children that Joe had. Oh and and you was, worked at that airport too, didn't you? I worked at that airport later, and I'll never forget uh, working at the airport. I was there for about ten years, and I was riding around the airport. With one of the pilots who was showing me how the airport went around a circle, and you didn't have to go out into the meadowlands to get there, mm-hmm. he's showing me some of these back roads. And all of a sudden, my teeth started to chatter, and and uh, I got very upset. And it, I we were driving past where Ronnie had been buried.
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. You're and then Joe told you that he was going to die. He did. So he, he, he had he had cider, He had, he had just- a dream. He had had a very powerful dream. Thanksgiving of 77, because he died in February of 78. So Thanksgiving, a month after Ronnie was missing, he and I had Thanksgiving dinner with the children, and that's when he told me. He told me I was psychic, and he told me that I was going to put Jeffrey through college by reading cards. And, of course, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was a good Christian girl. And that's exactly what happened.
2: And you never once thought with with your visions and things that you knew that, that you could make money with it. Or were you afraid to make money with it? It wasn't about making money.
3: Right. It had nothing to do with making money. Right. Frankie, it had to do with a gift that was a treasure that I was to use to help people through their lives. That was my focus. Always has been.
2: And so when he said that to you, you rejected that idea?
3: I I didn't reject it or or accept it. I just listened because it seemed so far-fetched to me. Yeah, and he so said I, you were going to write. He said that several times write, to you. He said I was going to write a book that would go around the world. Yeah, and and, and, and they did. I had, I had another vision in 82. Now, this was in 77, but in 82, I had a dream. Let me tell you about this dream. It was a beautiful stained glass window like what you see in a church, and it was in a circle, and it was the piece of holding the olive branch, but the lower part wasn't in color the whole thing was in brilliant technicolor except for the lower part of the window it was in black and white and i looked at dream and i said that's the part of life i still have to live and they said you're writing a book it will be called unlimited realities in the dream And then I went to see a a Tibetan monk here after I moved to Pennsylvania, was now we're into 2002, 2003. And I go and I sit with a Tibetan monk who's giving life, spiritual life readings. And he said to me, you're going to write books. And I had not written one yet. And he said, you're going to write several books. You'll, you'll, but your ninth book is the one that will go out to the world and it will be called unlimited realities. Now, How does that happen? Something in 2002 and something in 2002, 20 years later. And he's telling me the name of the book. So, of course, it had to be named that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) And I was afraid to finish it because I was afraid that would be the end of my life. I was really afraid I would die after I wrote that book, which is why it took so long. I kept putting it off. (laughs)
2: But your other friends with abilities, they wouldn't have told you, no, no, no you're fine. And, oh, sure. and, and your spiritual master,
3: of course. <laughs> well, my spiritual master finally got hard on me and made me absolutely write it. They said it was so needed and I had to write it now. And I think that they that they fixed the timing. I think mm-hmm. they they are the ones that fix the timing to have it in this such a turbulent time that we're living in now. And I absolutely. think it had to come out because it is a gift and it is. Showing people how to make decisions and how to go forward. Always go within. Always right. go within and you'll get your answers.
2: You know, if you're listening um, right now and you want to reach out to Elizabeth after the show or any time, 24 hours a day, she does have a, a line. It's 201-934-8986. Uh, you can talk to her, get readings, you know, look look on her website. And
3: um, it's a uh, vision. New Vision, isn't it your website? New, New, New Vision Dash Visions, and they—it is an answering service that they're calling. So we will call them back. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So just leave, leave your name and a number, and maybe what you're asking for, and and she'll call you back, or someone will get back to you and make an appointment.
3: That's, <laughs> that's all that's I can I. say. 934-8986 Yeah, I'll mention it again at the end,
2: near the end of the show, and of course, it you know the recording will be available as a podcast after we're alive right now, but after um, it will become a podcast up forever. So people will be able to get this for a long, long time. You um, were driving Jeffrey and his friend, Mike, I think it was to yes. a party and uh, a drunk driver came at you guys. You were like a second from this party. A drunk driver yes. hits you, you grab your son, you hug him and you have a horrific um, accident and you're first out of body.
3: Right, um, we were hit head on, and we were on a very, very uh, dangerous curve in Saddle River, New Jersey. Most know, people know Lake Street, and we were hit and pushed two hundred eighty feet back. So my the side of my head, the frontal lobe hit the windshield, but I grabbed Jeffrey, and we didn't have seatbelts back then because it was eighteen seventy nine, and the doctor said we both saved each other's life. And then Mike had to get out of the car. He was in the back seat, and it was a two-door car, but the door was pushed in. And I literally saw a white angel come down and open that door for Mike. Wow. And I was kind of in and out. And then we went into the ambulance, and, and my heart stopped three times. In the, in the middle of all that, I was taking a fabulous trip through the tunnel, right heading toward the light (laughs) and i saw these two round circles on the left was a red one on the right was a blue one and it was ronnie and joe and they kept pushing me back you you have to go back you have to write you have the
2: feeling that you had as as you were there as you kept like you were afraid for a little bit and then as you the closer you got to this light you were like Oh, I feel so good. I don't want to go
3: anywhere. I want to continue. Well, I didn't want to leave Joe again. It was because oh, okay. I could feel oh. him. And we had such a connection because if he was driving home from work and I was in my kitchen, I could feel him coming up the street and turning into our street. I could feel it. Wow. That was our connection. It was, yeah. it was incredible. So, you, you know, you don't want to go back. But then I did.
2: Right. And and, and it, you felt all the pain. And then you then you went back up again. <laughs> Once it was a hit, um, uh, you know, a lot of people because I've you know, interviewed a lot of people who've had near death experiences and I'm sure yours is a little bit different, um, but they all th- there's some commonalities. Some, oh, sure. they, they say, you know, that they come back changed. They come back with more psychic ability and with a love for humanity, um, but less love, individual love as you know, one on one. Kinda, of well, they say. I don't I've know if that's true for you too or not. Much
3: individual love, because of my upbringing, as you know, my mother couldn't hold me for my first year. Right. But yes, I did come back with a stronger ability, and we did meet Meg. I met. Yeah. Meg. Now, she was my best teacher. She she was incredible, um, and I I came back with an understanding of the continuation of life that we don't die, that right. we go on to different experiences. We're a spark in the universe. And then we sit with our masters and we design our next life and pick our next parents. And the way that we design our life is we put the challenges in, the energetic challenges in for all the things we didn't get right in this lifetime. We have to go back over it. And so is the karma part of that or is the karma lifted? Or Well, your astrological chart is your birth certificate. Your astrological chart shows you exactly what you're going to learn energetically and when, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then you pick your parents to highlight that which you failed in or to give you more love, whichever. And then you go on with your your life mission. And your life mission is always what it is. Mm -hmm. You get a feeling inside and you follow it. But then, you know, we have free will, and we have to be careful of the decisions that we make. And we also have to be careful of the people that we're around, because Mm -hmm. some of us are weaker than others, and we can't, we have a difficult time resisting temptation. Sure, sure. the, The whole idea of life is to do two things, to love and to serve, and to bring your vibration up higher so that when you drop the body and go back, you go to a higher soul pod. And you learn from newer teachers that are on a higher level. We are going to go to I'm going to stop
2: you there because I got so many questions, but we're going to commercial break and more with uh, Elizabeth Joyce. We'll be right back.
1: That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Stop.
4: you know a dentist invented the first electric chair? Just thinking about going to the dentist makes me feel like I'm headed for death row. What's a word for the fear of a dentist? Odontophobia. Bruxomania is another word for the compulsive grinding of one's teeth. Early toothbrushes were twigs with frayed ends. Toothpaste in a tube was made available to the public in 1892 and was called Dr. Scheffel's Cream Dentifrice. Now, Americans buy 14 million gallons of toothpaste every year. In Mexico, the tooth fairy is called the Tooth Mouse. Half of all Americans say that a smile is the first thing they notice about a person. It's easy to spot a person with a fake smile, otherwise known as an exodusiest.
3: It's Marching Day.
4: I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too
1: Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
0: As you are preparing for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, be mindful of what you need to do in order to not pack on the pounds. Fitness Magazine offers fit fixes to blast the excess weight before it hits your hips. If you eat one cup of mashed potatoes, you have consumed 237 calories. And one cup of eggnog has 224 calories. They suggest that you rake leaves for 53 minutes to dissolve the calories from one of those. A slice of pecan pie has 503 calories. And the fix they offer is to play football with your family for one hour. My advice is to work out before the holiday meal make good choices while eating and then take a long walk with your family afterwards enjoy the celebration and the time with your loved ones then get back to your healthy eating and daily workout when the holiday is done for the fitness minute i'm annette hammond
2: And we're back to Mission Unstoppable. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Elizabeth Joyce. Before we went to break, we were just talking about a very fascinating subject about what happens, you know, in the universe when you die—different planets, different dimensions, where you go. But before we 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 touch on that again, because there's so much to ask about that and know about that. I wanted I want to um, bring up one of one of um, Elizabeth's mentors, a very very important person in her life, and to set it up. Um, Elizabeth, you were having dreams about um, a woman whose house exploded and she burst up into the sky. And
3: you were disturbed by this. You, you had a continuous... I had a dream of, about of an explosion, explosion. explosion and I saw a house with a funny screen door that was off the hinge and slamming you know, in the wind. And then uh, there were, there were trailer parks on one side and oil drilling wells on the other. And I heard your aunt died. She's in Houston, Texas. I had this dream every night for three weeks, and I would see the explosion. I would see the body fly out of the roof and go back into the tumbleweed, and it was freaking me. I had no idea. I couldn't stop the dream, so I got so scared, and I had had a divorce from my first husband, Mm -hmm. and at that time, I had taken the children to a counselor, so I called the counselor back to see if she would see me, and when I went to see her, I said, I'm going crazy. I think I need... Help, maybe I need to go to an institution. Uh, That's how badly the dream affected me. And I Uh started to tell her the dream. And she went white. And she said, you don't know much about me, but I'm from Houston, Texas. And she said, my aunt is missing. She was um, in the area of the Houston oil well explosions in 79. And uh, they can't find her body. They've been looking for three weeks. And I said, well, I've been having the dream for three weeks. He made me yeah. have a paper, and I'll show you where she is. And I drew the house, and I drew the oil wells and the trailer park, and I put an X on where the body was. I said, she's under this tumbleweed. And the funny thing about it is, is I drew it like I was looking in a mirror. So it actually was on the other side. Yeah, the, the, your picture was mirror image. Yeah, Yeah, I did mirror image. So they found the body within three hours and that yeah. is that's the first story that was ever written about me it was in 1989 november issue of Woman's day magazine
2: wow now that, that was brenda your friend and when she who became your friend after that when she who did she call the police the chief of police she yeah,
3: called her her cousin who lived in texas and he called the chief of police and they said is this woman that's crazy or fun. Well, they did say that, but the chief got a feeling inside, and he said, no, we have to check it out, and they did.
2: So after that incident, Brenda said, you know, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit psychic too. Maybe
3: we should try to find someone who can mentor us. She didn't say that. She said she didn't know she was psychic until oh. she was studying with me. She uh-huh. said, this is scary. What happened? And I said, I have no idea. Both of us had been brought up in, in Christian homes. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us really knew what happened. And I said, we have to find a teacher. So we both were looking for a teacher. And Brenda read about Meg's ad in her New York State magazine. And I lived in New Jersey. And she went to her and she loved her and called me. And then I went to her and then we took classes.
2: Yeah, but before that, when you walked up to that house,
3: you said, hello, mom. Oh, yeah, I did.
2: And so this was a mother in a previous life?
3: Yes. Yeah. Did she recognize you too? She did. She said, I knew you were coming. Uh-huh. And it was, it was beautiful. It was almost like being back with Grammy again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so she, the- she really, uh, you excelled with her.
2: I, I mean, did. She taught and you she everything.
3: Took, took, took As a matter of fact, in the movie, Meg is going to narrate the movie. Yeah. Nice. The screenplay. <laughs> so it was a, you said she was a diminutive little Jewish woman. Oh, she was. See, my mother was five foot two, and Meg was five foot two.
2: Oh.
0: And it was
3: funny to see that comparison. Yeah, and she just taught me everything. She taught me everything she knew. And then one day she said, I've taught you all I can. You have to go on and find other teachers. We're done. And she wow. gave all her classes for me to teach. And then I moved on. I moved on to Indira.
2: And you started with psychic fairs? I um with Psychic you, Affairs,
3: yes.
2: Yeah, you started with Psychic Affairs and, and then you met Indira with the Clear Light group. How did that happen?
3: Oh my goodness. Well I was working at the airport and I used to tease Jeffrey, Jeffrey and Neilis, Neilis was my foster son, and I'd say, When you guys are out of high school, I'm moving. Well, it was right after they graduated from high school. Jeffrey was in his first year of college when I met the handsome stranger. And got into a relationship, but he was from Vermont, and I was from New Jersey, so I resigned from the airport and moved up to Vermont. But you know it was a ruse. It was called the Divine Setup. The relationship did not last, but I met Indira, and that's right. why I left the airport and went to Vermont. It was more important for me to meet Indira.
2: The Clear Light group was, uh, what were they? Were they like a heal- a meditation group, a healing
3: group? Uh- they were a healing group and uh, there were five of them and they taught intensives, which is what I teach now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they taught you how to sit and how to meditate. They taught you the Eastern philosophies, the chakras, and they had you go into past lives so that you could do healing. They believe, and I'm sure you do too, Frankie, that a lot of our disease is because of past life memories or guilt. Yeah. And they taught us that theory plus muscle testing Plus herbology, plus the correct eating, and and they told us about Monsanto and processed foods and how dangerous sure. they were, and it, it was just great. I was with Endura for five years. Wow! I brought her over three thousand people, and you, we went to Hawaii three times. That they moved to Hawaii, and I went out to Hawaii three times. Wow! You you
2: received so many gifts from the universe. You manifested so many so many of your needs it's it's, it's fabulous and you say that everybody can can do
3: that that's true but everybody doesn't want to do meditation everybody doesn't want to go within they don't want to work their energies it's like hearing barbara streisand sing and then singing in the shower yourself right that's a great dichotomy because when we are with god When we are in that energy, that wonderful white light energy, and it fills us, then thoughts become things. And you can use this energy for higher levels of access, not only knowledge, but people and things that you want to manifest and can be used in the other direction as well. But yeah. that's what I learned. The Eastern philosophies mixed with the Western philosophies brought together a complete circle for me. There, You know, it's a,
2: we have an hour show and so we don't have that long. So I, I do want to touch on a few highlights that were um, very exciting and kind of scary. The one was a trip you were in Vermont, I think, going back home to see your mom and these entities
3: Yeah, the went entities around your car. They went inside of me. And I had, I had carried them from the session I had had with Indira when I told her I didn't believe in entities. And oh. she was trying to tell me that they exist. And I said, no, that can't be. That's impossible. So then I got a call that my mother had been uh, admitted to Concord Hospital, and I had to get over there, which is a 75-mile drive. So after work, I got in a car and I started driving over, and my right foot could not be taken off the gas pedal, and the car started going very fast. Luckily, it was a straight road. And um, faster and faster, I was going 120 miles an hour, and I didn't understand what was going on. And then I said, oh, my God, it's got to be those entities. So I rolled down my window to let the air in, and I started to command them to leave my body. I straightened my spine as tight as I could, and I said, in the name of God, Christ, and the Masters, I command you to leave. And I kept doing it. And finally, these three I could feel them. Heee, we got you. We got you. And they flew out the window. Wow. And oh, my gosh, the red light was behind me and the cop pulled me over. But at least I learned. I learned something. And it was real. very interesting. That's how I learned it. Wow. You but also were psychically attacked. I've been psychically attacked several times. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I I was just psychically attacked last November. I oh. had a And this is, I'm going to tell you about this one because it's a new story and because it's important. Yeah, please. People that are doing this work need to realize that we are having a battle of will and a battle of dark energy versus light energy. And there are so many people out there that are channeling and they're channeling Mafu or Ramtha and none of these channels are of higher dimensions. They're all from the astral plane and they are very, very dangerous. And what they want is your soul. So what's going to happen is that your soul is going to get taken over and you're going to start teaching negatively or wanting everybody to be around you and wanting glory and all of that kind of thing. It's very dangerous. So so you need to recognize it. all you have to do is ask your messenger, are you of the light? Mm -hmm. If they get silent, then they're not. And you order them gone. And they'll go. They have to go. The one thing we need to know always, Frankie, is that we are in control.
2: And we can send them can, to the light to be burned can, up, too?
3: They cannot take over your body without your permission. Okay. So I went to see this guy from Australia that knew people had come in, and I should have known better. Uh, they asked if they could read me, and I said yes, but that didn't mean they could enter my body, but that's what they did. And literally, I felt like I was dying. I, I was lying in bed. I couldn't get up. And I knew that my organs were going were going to ashes. On the right side of my body, I could see that. Luckily, I have a wonderful healer. Her name is Louisa Regé. And she came, and it took her three hours to get that stuff out of me. Wow. And I learned. I learned about what's going on right now. as we As we have war in this country and in this world, we also have war in the other worlds, yeah so. you
2: we're going to go to commercial in about two minutes, but um, I, I want to start start talking a little bit about um, you know maybe we'll wait for that, but I, I do want to talk about make sure that we do talk about you know where you know light versus dark, and people think that there's that the dark is taking over, and maybe the dark is raised up a little bit but do you think that there's enough light workers enough people working on the side of good that um
1: i absolutely do
2: yeah yeah and i want to mention that that you that you offer a um a group to that they can join every Sunday. I think is at 7:30 for healing people or healing the world. If people yeah. want to join and and you know raise your vibration and help They're with that, cool. that would be a wonderful I thing. Mean, to it's do.
3: not even like joining a group. I wanted to keep it very special and independent. So all yeah. the person has to do is come into the energies with their thoughts, just light a candle and and meditate or pray for about 15 minutes at that time, and they'll feel the energy. Perfect. Yeah.
2: Okay, we're going to go to commercial break. I am. Speaking to Elizabeth Joyce, her book is "Unlimited Realities." How fascinating is this uh, conversation? And we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Well, go get a drink if you need to. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk to Elizabeth about the amazing uh, manifesting that happened for her her home that she that she purchased. Oh, oh that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right.
1: Listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Stop. It's never heard.
4: So last night, my husband was laughing as he was reading about the differences between men and women. According to the article, men get single tuss or hiccups more often than women. Everyone knows that women are better at multitasking than men. I'm good at both multitasking and procrastinating, which means right now there are 28 things that I'm putting off until later. What's another word for a person who puts everything off until the last minute? A cunt Women blink nearly twice as much as men. And while men can read smaller print than women, women can hear better. In fact, when a woman says, What? She heard you. She's just giving you a chance to change what you said.
1: It's Day,
4: I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
1: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
0: Harvard Medical School indicates that the most effective method for losing weight is to cut back on your consumption of calories while bumping up your activity level. They use the example of eating a candy bar, which takes a mere minute or two. But most people would have to walk for over 40 minutes to burn those calories. Remember that 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat. Reducing your daily calorie intake by 500 calories and working out is a sure way to drop weight and increase health benefits. They state that you will shed approximately one pound of fat for every 35 miles you walk, assuming that your food intake and activity stay the same. That is encouraging news and very doable. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com.
2: So, Unlimited Realities is the name of her book. Elizabeth Joyce is the author, and this is the story of her memoirs. Um, this is a very special chapter, she tells me, and I was like flabbergasted when I read this. Elizabeth needed to move. She needed a home. She had no money. She needed to buy furniture. She had no money. Uh, tell us what happened.
3: <laughs> well, um, I had come back away from that relationship in Vermont and moved in with my ex-husband, my first husband. Who was the father of my children and it was horrible there, which I describe, and yeah. I had to get out, so I started my praying, and I I literally heard from Mother Mary, and she said, I will give you a home for two years. Uh, you will love it, and it will be a place that you recognize. And that's all. That was the only message I got. And uh, you will meet you will meet the man that will take you there on March seventh. So I met this man on March 7th, but I didn't think he was the handsome stranger. He was right. just a pain in the you-know-what real estate man that was taking me around to all these apartments that I couldn't afford. So then he leaves, and it was a, I cried. I really sobbed that night. But on the 21st, which, of course, is the spring equinox, he came back, and he said, I have a place, and I want to take you to it, and I think it will fit. So I go with him, and we go up to a place called Ramapo Ridge, where a lot of the pilots had lived, and we'd had a couple of parties there. So I had been there, and I did love it. And we go into this empty place, and he, he says it's 1600 a month. I said, I can't afford 1600 a month. So I sat down in the living room in front of the fireplace, and I started to meditate. And I looked up at him, and I said, who used to live here? I said, there's a man walking around the kitchen. I said, he had a heart attack and died in the driveway. He's looking for his wife. Well, Bill turned white. Yeah. And he said, how did you know that? I said, because he's in the kitchen. Can you give him the place that she was going to? So he did give him the place, and the ghost went, shh, and he was gone. Oh, <laughs> and
2: my God.
3: I meditated a little bit more, and I looked at Bill, and I said, okay, go, to, go back to the office, because this was before cell phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. Go back to your office and call the landlord and tell him I want the first year at eight hundred a month and the second year at one thousand. I I want a two year lease and we'll be fine. And he did. He said he'll never accept it. He scratched his head and he went out and he called. And he came back and he had the written lease, had written up the lease because the guy did accept it.
1: And he had two
3: people that day with higher prices, but he wanted the, the woman that worked and had a uh, kid in college because he knew that the place wouldn't get wrecked. He didn't and then want, he needed a down payment, though. He didn't want the college kids, and he didn't want the woman. Yeah. With so I signed the lease, and he said, now all I need is a month and a half deposit. I said, well, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, and, you know, you never know about energy. You know how you have divine setups. Mm-hmm. It was a divine setup, so he writes me out a check chair for $3,600 and hands it to me. He said, this will be enough to get you down from Vermont and your month-and-a-half rent. I almost fell over. So all that happens, and we move in, and it's in October of the second year that Bill comes back and says, look at the newspaper. New Jersey is building the HUD houses, and you should have one because you deserve it. And I want you to apply for it. And put Vance's name on the lease with you so that you can have a two-bedroom. And you have to get all the income tax returns. So I did all of that very reluctantly. And he said, remember, you're having this for two years. Mm -hmm. So then Evelyn, who was my roommate, we were paying $400 a month for that gorgeous place. It was incredible. Um, Was called back to New York to help her mother and had to move out. So she moves out in November. And I get a pilot from the airport to move in uh, to rent the room in December. And as he's moving in, I said, oh, my God, you're going to move out on March 18th. And he looked at me and he said, oh, that's just what I need. I'm moving in and you're telling me the day I'm moving out. I, <laughs> I can't help but That's what happened. So on March, on March 18th, he got a call from Washington, D.C. He flew for American Airlines and he was told he had to relocate immediately. And on March 18th, I got a letter from the Bergen County telling me that I had been accepted to have the home. Well, you know, I still wanted to stay where I lived because I loved it so much. But I heard, I kept hearing, this will be better for you. This will be better for you. And I, I was doing psychic fairs in a lot of places. But the one place that I did just for the Humane Society every year for 10 years was in Milford, Pennsylvania. So doing it this particular weekend, and there was a a real estate man out there named Roy who knew me pretty well from the 10 years, Mm -hmm. and I told him about the property, and he said, you have to take this. He said, this is a wonderful opportunity for you. So I finally went down to look at the property in the area that I wanted to be, and they said that they had one left and that it was in the back in Building 15. And I said, but it has to be on the first floor. Oh, it's on the first floor, and it's by a little creek, and you have trees, and it'll be very nice. So I called up Roy that night, and he came by the next day with a deposit check. He said, I know you don't have the money for the deposit, but what I'll do is let you borrow it, and you can have a year to pay me back. So he gave me, it was $3,500, so I went, and I put the money down on it. And then I knew I had to work. I moved Mm -hmm. out of the condo within two weeks. Totally out. I was out by April 1st, which was a miracle from from the um, Equinox to the April 1st yeah. out. And I moved down into my office in Ridgewood in Wellesley Square. Of course, nobody was supposed to know that I was living there because that's against the law. So <laughs> I stayed there and slept on futons and we had a little kitchen and a shower. So I was fine. And then I called a man that I had worked for the year before in a law office because I had picked up. Being a paralegal up in Vermont, that, that was the next job I went to after aviation. And I told the lawyer that I would save him money because I didn't have to go through an agency. And he was wonderful. He said, of course. And I said, I want you to do my closing because he was a real estate and corporate lawyer. So I started working for him and it all came together. I, he told me that uh, he came in in July and said, you have to have the balance of the money. And of course, I didn't have it. And I started to cry. I got mad at the universe again, but I went in to see Elizabeth Hepburn, who's a fabulous healer in New York City, and she um, cleared me, and the money came that night and the next day. Well, well they, the mortgage, they said, you know, you need a mortgage. You're like, what? I don't know I needed a mortgage. I, <laughs> I, like, a
2: mortgage. I knew what? I
3: wasn't having a mortgage. I knew yeah. it. the yeah.
2: beginning. Yeah. So, well, But I, you had a
3: raise, like you needed like 40 grand or something, 50 yeah, grand. Yeah, I did, and it came. It came from my cousin and another friend. Like Out of the blue. You didn't ask them for this money. No, of course not. They came. They they were sent by spirit. It was energetic. That's how life works. That's so important. It's all energetic. And if you put the thought out, and it's a pure thought, you'll get your wish. I just did it the other day. I was outside and saying, how in the world can I write a screenplay? I don't know if I can, and I was really doubting it. And I said, I want to see a hummingbird. Well, I'm, and here comes the hummingbird. Wow. Along. I couldn't believe it. I said, that's beautiful. Here I am sitting in silence. And I made a thought. And that hummingbird came. Do you believe it?
2: I do believe it. I it's do. I totally happened. do. But it's amazing that it, that it happens when it happens. It is. It's so, always such a nice surprise. I know that we don't have that much time. I don't think we have that much time left. And I, and I did want to touch on Emma. But. I, I, oh. I don't know if we have time for that. But this is an important question because I know that people who are listening are going to, to say, but Elizabeth, I have a really hard time sitting still and letting my thoughts, you know, I I, I can't let them go. Meditation's not for me. How? What's your best advice? Um,
3: my best advice is that meditation has to be for them. And if it's not for them, then wave goodbye. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Best advice is that a poor decision you really need to work with yourself it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you try to surrender to the will of the divine and learn how to do it and i have created a wonderful meditation tape called the chakras in your body and thousands thousands of them have gone out throughout the world since 1993 it's the best work i've ever done and all you have to do is listen to that every night before you go to bed or in the morning if you prefer and every day and you have to do it for about 120 days and your third eye will open and your body will begin to crave meditation so it will break through the blocks of i can't do it nice anybody can do it and if they refuse to do it that's their problem
2: and they can they can get this off your website or amazon or where can they get it uh spiritual products okay under spiritual products on your website
3: yeah
2: okay Fantastic. Um, I highly recommend this book. I think that it's for everybody. There's so much in there that we haven't discussed. Elizabeth, you know, we've got three minutes left in the show. I'm going to pass it to you because I know that you have things that you want to say that are very important for the world to hear right now.
3: Well, we have a wonderful woman on the planet. Her name is Tanunda mai She's in India. Her website is amaamma.org. I've been with her for 30 years and that Saint, she's a fully realized saint I'm telling you again she's a fully realized saint she's only visiting she's come down from the third universe to bring us clarity love and cooperation and she is showing the planet how to live in harmony without hate, prejudice and fear and I suggest that you do get to know her and her work she put every book inside of me and she's incredible and that's what I want to say it, she will help you just by being in her presence. You will learn how to meditate. She comes across the United States every summer, and plan on it. Next June and July, you're busy. You're with me. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and she comes to Toronto. She does a She does a wonderful show in Toronto as well. And
2: Elizabeth is still. She's still teaching. You're still teaching. The uh, yes. tar- Tarot. She's you're still teaching.
3: Intense. I teach two intensives a year. They're very, very powerful. They're very, very healing. I mean, a man had lost his, partially lost his eyesight. That all straightened out. A lady was supposed to go in for open-heart surgery and never did. And the, the next one is October 7th and 8th. It's on my website, and we have another one that will be coming in February. So come and join us. Yeah, there
2: we go. Um, fantastic. Thank you so very much. Elizabeth, for for being my guest today. I do need to mention one thing. Um, a few months ago, Teresa de Corbois was a guest on the show and she has an incredible offer for anybody. If, if you're in business or you want marketing, anything like that, um, she has a wonderful business guide for mastering the influence game and becoming an authority in your field. She has a 30-day influence challenge it's free it's only 2 minutes a day and it comes with her free book mass influence so go to www.massinfluencethebook.com get the book get the uh, amazing 30 day influence challenge and you will be on your way to being a very influential person <laughs> i just want to thank elizabeth um joyce again her book is unlimited realities you can go to amazon you can purchase it there you can go to her website uh, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being my guest today. It was such a pleasure to meet you. It was
3: my pleasure.
2: Thank you, Ben, for producing the show today.
1: Stop. When the chips were down, they didn't stop. Stories of people who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time. And always remember. Don't, don't,
2: don't, don't stop.